verse 19 to the end. And uh, it, it is an interesting passage, so uh, I'll share more, a little bit more about that. But anyway, uh, how many of you here know what Reddit is? It's a, kind of like a forum-ish, uh, maybe the younger people like it. But okay, this week, uh, just this week, there was a, a thread. What well, a thread is, usually someone types an idea and then people start to comment on it, on it in case you don't know what a thread is. So um, there was a, a, a comment, and I'll read it to you right now. And it was trending, it was uh, basically went viral and people were sharing it. A lot of my friends certainly were sharing it. So next slide. You would see, uh, I'll read it to you. So it was titled, what, What's the Meaning of Life in This Fast-Paced Singapore for You? Okay, okay. so this is what the comment wrote. Had a conversation with an older colleague today over lunch. He is 65 and about to retire by the end of this year. He told us, at this age, you realize life actually has got no meaning. Like what's life? You wake up, go to work, get yelled at by your boss and tolerate colleagues, earn enough money to pay bills and support your family and once or twice a year. You go overseas for a short burst of happiness. Now Japan opened already. You come back and then everything is back to normal. Some of you are stressed about buying a house, someone to buy a nice car. Some of you are stressed about marriage, wondering if you have enough money to bring up your kid. And some of you work so, so hard till never eat lunch. The Singaporean come out already. And then fall sick. You add so much burden and kept adding and adding until you feel heavy every month. At the end of the day, you realize your entire life was spent chasing something. You add so much burden to yourself that you didn't get to fully enjoy life. And when you reach 65, it's too late. Your entire life just went by and you have missed it. And funny enough, a few of us can already relate to his statements at the age of 25 to 35. The mundane way of living has become the default standard. The more we earn, the more we feel burdened. We look forward to our salary only to see it down by half the very next hour after paying for our expenses and bills. Some even more than half. We work our butts off, chase for that promotion, getting by with minimal hours of sleep. Weekends of days are literally for you to sleep at home to prepare for the arduous week ahead. Not us in COGS, amen? We are here in church, enjoying the fellowship of God's people. Anyway, yes, people always argue that we should not compare and be thankful for the Redditor's favourite or the Redditor's favourite line. I just don't compare, lol. But saying that is as easy as saying, bro, it's okay one, to someone after the passing of his loved ones. It's not the same. And especially in Singapore, when everything is so fast-paced and people are always challenging and ousting one another, it can truly wear down someone. Recently heard about an ex-schoolmate who committed suicide because he felt as though he didn't do his job well as a father and it made me realise how fragile life truly is. So folks, what's the meaning of life to you and how do you find meaning in life? This thread uh, garnered, I think, a 352 comments since the last I read uh, and I don't know how many view, uh, shares and reposts on social media. When I read this, I don't know about you, as a Singaporean growing up in Singapore system, it hits home. It really, you really feel this way sometimes, right? And, uh, but it's very thought-provoking, okay? and it really just cuts. I don't know about how you feel after reading that, but it's like, yeah, kind of true. Okay? But, um, you know, I always believe that we, the people of God, have the Word of God, and the Word of God has the answers to life's biggest question. I always say this. The Word of God always has the answers to life's biggest questions. You see, the Word of God even has an entire book dedicated to answering this Reddit thread. 
Okay, just to expound on this particular question, in fact, even give examples and his thoughts about it, that book is called the Book of Ecclesiastes. Right, there are 12 chapter, chapters in it. If you want God's response to this, read that book. And the very first sentence already gives you a flavor, and basically he summarized the entire thread. It's, the book of Ecclesiastes starts with meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless when he, com- when he considers life on earth. Okay? And, uh, but thanks be to God that nothing surprises God. Amen. Even way before today, God already had an answer to this big question about life. And maybe God was thinking about us, Singaporeans, when he got Solomon to write the book of Ecclesiastes. Anyway, where man always fails to answer, in fact, so many people have weighed in on this topic, um, the word of God still comes true. Okay, and after 12 chapters of considering life, the writer of Ecclesiastes concludes the matter this way. We go to the next slide. He concludes the matter in this way. He says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden, hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Fear God and keep his commandments. Sounds familiar because Jesus said that the fulfillment of all the law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? The Bible always comes full circle. It's very exciting to read it. Please read your word of, the word of God. So anyway, the people of God, I would say we are blessed and privileged to know the truths and the secrets to life. Amen? Yeah? Because we know. Why, why do we know the secrets to life? Because we know the creator of life himself. Right? We have his words. We hear his thoughts. And guess what? His very spirit lives within us. Okay, And it is truly a privilege to know the Creator. And you know, when you want to know how to use an iPhone, you don't go and look at the Android manual, right? You look at the iPhone instruction manual. So why not find out life from the Creator of life himself? So what is life all about? What is your life all about? What should life be all about? Jesus gives a very thought-provoking teaching in the in Gospel, Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to 31. Almost as if it came as a direct recollection of an actual spiritual occurrence, something that happened outside of the timeline of uh, human life. Okay, and uh, uh, scholars suggest this because usually when Jesus teaches in parables, he doesn't name the individuals, but in this account, he did mention an individual's name, and that is Lazarus. Okay, so just an aside, right? Nevertheless, Jesus was educating those that were listening about things. Greater than life itself. Greater than life itself. Next slide. So just going to do a quick object example. I don't know how many of you all here still carry coins. All right? Maybe you can take out a small coin. Anybody want to just take out a 10 cent, 5 cents if you have? I don't know if 5 cents still exist. I think they do. But I know some coffee shop don't accept my 5 cents. No coin, Okay, never mind, over here, I'll use card. Okay, so anyway, when you take out a coin, a coin is small. And you, yesterday, what I got the people to do was that the coin is small, right? 10 cent coin. But as you bring the coin nearer and nearer to your eye, you'll come a point in time where all you see is the coin. You can't even see what is in front. I chose the Queen Elizabeth coin because, um, yeah, need to remember her. Okay, anyway. Uh, so when you put a coin close to your eyes, you suddenly lose sight of what is around. All you can see is the coin. 
And that is usually the state that we are in here on this earth. Next slide. You see, Jesus started his teaching to, uh, just to bring us into uh, perspective, a compare and contrast between this rich guy and a poor guy. So Jesus starts off with this. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. Basically, he was clothed in the best clothing. All right? Historically, purple is an expensive dye. Only the richest get to wear purple clothes. And he feasted sumptuously every day. This guy had a buffet every day, you know. How many of us have buffet? The only buffet we have is Thai fun. Okay. And at his gate, there was laid a poor man named Lazarus. He was covered with sores instead of purple and fine linen, okay, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's buffet table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. So we just pause here, all right? We pause here. And just, just with these two sentences... All right, Jesus already extracted from his listeners, and today you guys are the listeners too, right? Already extracted from the very depths of our being an assessment on life, right? I don't know whether you, you have it in you right now, but just looking at these three sentences and the two situations, who is the winner here? The rich guy, right? Okay, or well maybe only I think that way, right? The rich guy is the winner, right? He's successful, has good meals every day. And then who's the one that is like, oh no, poor thing? You see the poor guy, right, who is covered in sauce. So with just these two sentences, Jesus already pulled, managed to extract from his listeners our flawed human understanding about life. However, Jesus introduces a plot twist. We go to the next slide. A plot twist. Jesus said, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died. Okay, so both of them died and was buried. And then what happened to the rich man in Hades being in torment? He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. So all of a sudden, death is a certainty in life, right? So both of them, regardless of their status in society, they died. And then Jesus brings us into an account of what happens after they died. So it is true, right? And uh, basically there was a role reversal. Now, now um, the poor guy is by Abraham's side. So just to explain a little bit what Abraham's side means, basically it is a uh, reference to how when people of God die, they actually go to a place and, in, and they are back to their fathers. Basically it's a good place, okay, in summary. Okay, so I, I, I refer you to Genesis chapter 15, verse 15. And this was when God was giving Abraham a promise and he says this, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. So basically it is a good thing, all right? So the poor guy, regardless of his death, he ended up, at Abraham's side. He was on the good side, whereas the rich man ended up somewhere else and he was in torment. Next slide. So you see what Jesus was trying to say here is that the real plot of life is beyond life itself. It is beyond life itself. It's not just about the 80 to 90 years that you spend here on earth because there is something that happens after we die. Okay, and it goes on in uh, verse 24. It says, He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he's comforted here and you are in anguish. It's funny, right? Even after death, the rich man didn't forget his status. He thought he was still the same. He thought he could command the poor guy to do things for him. 
How interesting that is. Next slide. Oh, and, and besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. After life, there is a great chasm that is fixed, but it depends on which side we are. I'll talk a little bit more about that. You see, what Jesus is teaching here is not an attack on the rich. I just want to say that again. What Jesus is teaching here, and I think last week, uh, maybe, I don't know if you all got the sermon, but oh, last week's reading was actually a, a teaching on uh, the dishonest manager to use money to bless other people, right? Um, and so Jesus was doing a series of teachings about money. So in this instance, he is not attacking people that are rich. Please don't get it wrong. That's not the main point. He's not about being rich or poor. Next slide. What Jesus is saying is that life, Right? is greater than life itself. And it's not about being rich or poor. It's not about your status in life. It is only, it's always about loving God and others from an eternal perspective. Okay? Say eternal. Eternal perspective. Next slide. So what I want to share here today to, with us, the first point is to correct our vision as soon as possible. As soon as possible. Luke chapter 16, 27, 31, and we end off the teaching, it goes like this. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him, meaning Lazarus, the poor guy, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Moses and the prophets here is, an, uh, is a reference to the word of God. All right, you, in, Moses and prophets encapsulates the entire Old Testament. And of course, we have the writings in the New Testament. So when we say Moses and the prophets, essentially saying they have the scriptures, the word of God, the very breath of God written in our Bibles. So hear them. If we are clouded with our vision in life, all we can do is focus on our nearby. Let me share with you that actually it's not that bad because I like how we hear, even if you're blinded you can hear the good news of Jesus. Amen. Anyway, we, we complete the, the passage. Go down. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced. Essentially, the truth of eternal life, the truth of God, the truth of what life is about, is already with us in the Word of God. Now the question is, do you believe the Word of God? Amen. Right? We do believe. So with myopia, short-sightedness, I didn't wear my spectacles today. Yesterday I did, it was funnier. But I brought sunglasses. You see, with my... Does it look stupid? Okay, with myopia, it is still possible to function without vision correction. For those that wear spectacles, we know, right? Even you take out your spectacles, you can still see what is in front of you. You can still walk. You won't really fall down and trip over. However, what happens without vision correction is that you cannot see beyond the immediate. All you can see is this. If I was wearing spectacles and took it off now, I can only see my paper. I can't see where David is. Right? And that is the, 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 the problem with short-sightedness, is that we can't see far. You see, life is but a few decades on earth. However, eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. Next slide. So we correct our vision. I want to share with us today is that we correct our vision to become one that captures the eternal perspective. We must remember that we belong to eternity, not just confined 
to 1890, maybe some lucky 100 years on earth. Next slide. You see, knowing the truth sets you free. In John chapter 8, verse 31, 32, Jesus himself says to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many of us like to know truths? Right? Nobody likes to be lied to. Not even a white lie. When you know the truth, it really sets you free because then you know that you can trust the things that you are hearing, the information that you are receiving. Nobody likes fake news, all right? Come on, right? Can you imagine? I told you that actually government say can take out masks is fake news. But then you believe it and you walk, right? Then you go MRT, you thought, eh, hey, is it fake news? But it's not, okay? Continue wearing a mask on the train. But anyway, nobody likes lies. You want to know the truth, then you can make decisions. You can make informed decisions. So Jesus is saying to us, that we belong to eternity. So right now, I want you all to think about it. You belong to eternity. I give you five seconds to think about this sentence. You belong to eternity. Okay, five seconds is up. And you spoil the surprise. <laughs> Alright, you belong to eternity. Um, how many of us like investments? Don't bluff, we all got CPF Singaporeans, right? That is an investment. How many of us here know about investments? When you invest into something, or when you pour your resources into something, what is the main thing you want to do? It needs to have, what's the word? Gains, future value, right? Talking a little bit financy here. When you put money, time, and resources into something, you want it to have some kind of a gain in the future. If not, you put for what? And this is not just about money. This is also about relationships. You invest in good relationships to, so that in future you, you hope to develop and grow the relationship. You don't want to invest in things that are not worth it. So if we belong to eternity, then my question for you here is that what are we investing in? What are we investing in? Next slide. Yeah, who likes to own things that will increase in value over time? Next slide. So what I want to share with you all today is this. If we belong to eternity, then will we invest in things that have eternal value? Focus on things with eternal value. There's so many uh, examples and teachings in the Word of God that will tell you what are the things that you can look into and you should look into because those are the things that have eternal value. One example is to serve Christ. Jesus, uh, in Colossians chapter 3, Apostle Paul writes, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. This is one thing that has eternal value. The next thing that has eternal value is serving others. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42 says, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And one other example is things that have eternal value is to take care of those in need. But when you have a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Next. You see, if we belong to eternity, then our mind should be fixed on eternity. And where is our heart? Where is our focus? Are we laying up treasures on earth or are we laying up treasures in heaven? And that is a question for all of us to think about, including myself, because we all live in this world. Next. 
So folks, what's the meaning of life to you and how do you find meaning in life? For me, when I read that post, I thought it was a very earnest question in response to the futility of everyday living, chasing something. And pastor preached in a previous sermon, we are all, some of us are, chasing, are, are climbing up ladders that lead to nowhere. I like that analogy because so many times on this earth, we are climbing up ladders, we don't even know, but we are climbing up ladders that lead to nowhere. But it is a real thought, it's a real struggle, I don't think it's fair to dismiss it because I personally related so much to that post. You see, we belong to eternity, but at the same time we are still part of time, this, this, this side of eternity. Okay, we will still have to deal with our everyday thing. I'm not saying today that, oh, forget our work, our jobs, let's not focus on the things that we need, like, right, and, and just drop everything and go. I'm not saying that because it is still necessary. But what I'm saying is that when the time gets tough, when it gets tough, when it gets depressing, the people of God, we can find hope. A, long t- a couple of months ago, I preached on faith and hope. Do you all remember what hope is for? Hope is for the future. Good. Hope is for the future. When you look into the scriptures, you have hope and you know that you have a future. Uh, Romans chapter 15 verse 4. So what it says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Say hope. We all have hope. When you read in the scriptures, if you feel depressed, turn to the word of God. Open the word of God and see what, the, what God has in store for you. And remind yourself of what God says about you. Remind yourself about your destiny. Where God is going to bring you because you have come into his kingdom. When you read that, then you remember, remind yourself that yes, today was a terrible day. I didn't do well. I messed up big time. But God will say to you, you know what? You know what? You belong to eternity. Yes, you did a bad job today, but in the eternal perspective, does it really matter? Right? And you find hope. Next. You see, when you look into the Bible, and these are just some examples, it's not in a, in a limited list. You know, when you look into the Word of God, you can find identity. Because that is where the truths of God are. Remember, we talk about truth. That is where the creator of life tells you about life. You don't look at the Android manual to use an iPhone 14. I don't have iPhone 14, by the way. You look into the Word of God to find out about life. From there, you can find identity. From there, you find out that you are loved. From there, you realize what the right values are. From there, you can find direction, where you're headed. From there, you know you have a future. From the Word of God, you have assurance. From the Word of God, you know the truth to life and what life is all about. From there, you even get a sense of history, the creation of the world, right down to the patriarchs and how God has chosen the nation of Israel all the way down to His plan of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. From the Word of God, you even know your calling. So when you look into the Word of God, you can find hope for a depressing day. Read the Word of God. Next slide. So I want to take an attempt at this, and I took the last half an hour to do so, but I took, I took the chance to. So folks, what's the meaning of life to you, and how do you find meaning in life? I would actually say this. I would say, firstly, you must know the truth about life from the creator of life, God himself. Once you know that, then you know how to anchor yourself. The question was asked because the person, people don't know what life is about. 
You see, when you know the truth about life, you can find your calling. You know that you have a purpose. God created you for a purpose greater than life itself. So find your calling and identity from an eternal perspective. And I would say that there is more to life than what this person described. It's not that there's no meaning. There is meaning. Come to church and find out. Amen. (laughs) Next slide. You see, life is but a speckle in the timeline of eternity. If You can even use the word timeline to describe eternity. It's not about whether you're rich or poor. It's not about whether you're successful or not. It's not about whether you stay in HDB or condo or you have got multiple properties. It's not about that. Life is greater than life itself. Next slide. The thing is, what I learned from this reading, and one a very interesting fact that I heard, I learned, and I was sharing with Pastor Agnes yesterday, I was saying, you know, we all as Christians, we always say, oh, you know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. I thought only Christians have eternal life. But then when I read this passage, Jesus tell me no. Why? How do I know this? Now all of you are like, huh? I share you, why do you, how do I know this? Because you see the rich man had eternal life. But where was he? Somewhere else. So the thing is, we are all eternal. <laughs> okay? We all belong to eternity. The question is, which side of eternity will you be? Okay? The, the rich man ended up in this place called Hades. I googled Hades. I chose the nicest picture. The other pictures are very disturbing. And uh, the poor guy made it to the bosom of Abraham. And I would even say, when, the, when you make it there because of Christ Jesus and what he done for you, you will make it right into the bosom of Jesus himself. Okay? So the thing here is, people, what is the decision that we're going to make when we look at eternity? Because we belong to eternity. And then the verse was saying that there was a great chasm. We live forever, but Jesus came to bridge that chasm. Whoever believes in Jesus will make it to paradise. You see, Jesus came and he took the sins of the world upon his body so that he might die on behalf of you and I, so that whoever believes that he did that for him and call him Lord and Savior, we can make it into the embrace of our Lord and Savior. Next slide. Do I have one more? This is the last slide. I just want to say one thing before I close is that, you see, I can share all this, but very interesting thing is, for me, Jesus has an eternal perspective. I think it's pretty obvious. He saw eternity. Jesus was always outside of time. He was never bounded by time. So he could see from beginning to end. He knew that we needed to change and correct our myopia. He knew that we needed him in order to end up at the correct and the better side of eternity. He knew that without him taking on his, our sins upon his own body and die on the cross, he knew that we would have no chance because he saw from an eternal perspective. And that's why he came down to this earth as a baby and to live as a human like one of us. And every step that he took to that cross, he had you and me on his mind. He said, I need to make it to that cross. I need to make it to that cross. I need to get nailed to the cross. I need to cry, it is finished, so that you and I will have that even that 0.00001% chance that we might accept him as our Lord and Savior. Even if it was that small a chance, he would still do it. Because he could see from an eternal perspective. And he loved you so much. He didn't want us to be in torment for eternity. That whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. 
And by life, today I learn, it is not just being there, but life, meaning life, and life more abundantly. Amen. You see, when Jesus, and I wrote over here as my conclusion, I thought I wanted to share, is that we must, we should see things with the eternal perspective because now today we know the truth. When we know the truth that we belong to eternity. Don't get focused only on what happens on this earth. You see, we were destined for greater things. When Jesus told Peter, follow me, you will, I will make you fishers of men. I say, Peter's, Peter was also played a face with a decision. He saw the boatload of fish. The boat was sinking. He could have chosen money, profits. But when Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men, Peter, through the Holy Spirit, opened his eyes and he saw that has eternal value, not my fish. So he chose eternal value. Today, we are part of eternity. What will you choose? How will you live your life? How will you focus? Where is your focus? And how do you use your life and, and use everything to gravitate around the focus of where God has called you to be, how God wants you to live your life to the fullest potential? Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we come before you and we know that you have, by your grace, reached out to us and you called us into your kingdom. How amazing is your grace that you bridged that gap for us. Lord, there are some of us that struggle with meaning of life. It is a real struggle, O Lord. Sometimes we go through the routines of life. We wake up in the morning. We squeeze in traffic. Crowds make it to the workplace just to have to tolerate so many things thrown at us and then we make it back home exhausted. Lord, so many of us feel tired. But I thank you that you have called us to greater things by your grace. I thank you that in your word you reveal unto us who we are. You show us your plans and what you intended for life to be. And then, Lord, you also call us. Thank you for this grace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you reveal to us your heart time and time again. And it is only by your word, Lord, and this relationship that we have with you that we have hope for the future. Lord, give us strength for the days ahead, especially if it's going to be turbulent, Father, just secure us and our loved ones. Continue to watch over us and bless us. In the things that we need, Lord, we know you already know them. So, Father, go before us, prepare the way for us, and secure us because we belong to you and we want you to be a part of our lives. All this I ask in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Thank you, Shono, for reminding us that we are people of eternity living in history. And indeed, the truth is found in the Bible, and the creeds are a summary of the Bible. That is why we repeat uh, the creeds every uh, week in our service.